Well, I am glad that you decided to join us today for worship. We are beginning a brand new series that we're calling Boundaries, and we're going to talk for the next few weeks about what the Bible has to teach us about boundaries and barricades, obstacles, and uh, what that means for us in our life. I don't know if any of you have heard anything uh, recently in the, in the national media about walls or boundaries. Has there been anything at all about that lately? You know, part of the debate that we're hearing, it's, uh, in some regards, it's, it's sort of typical political speak, and they're, they're arguing over, you know, semantics, sometimes it feels like, uh, wall, barrier, fence, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. But most people agree uh, that, that you need some sort of security at borders. You need some sort of security at boundaries. It's why you have doors on your house and locks on your doors. It's, it's why we, we do create spaces in our life uh, that we hope are safe, safe for us to stay in and safe maybe to keep other things out. That's really the two purposes of any sort of boundary or or barricade. It's to keep some things in and it's to keep other things out. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, and I hope maybe over the next few weeks you'll think about it more, but God's word sets up for us boundaries in life. God's word gives us certain boundaries and boundary markers that we can know and understand there are safe places inside of the boundaries that God has set for us in his word. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at these boundaries that God has placed in our life. Not all of them come directly from his word. Sometimes they're just circumstances and situations in your life that create a barrier in your life that sort of keep you from doing what you want to do or maybe being what you want to be. But we've all come up, up against the wall. We've all come up against some sort of boundary or barricade. Sometimes they're self-imposed, sometimes they're imposed by other people. But what we want to talk about for the next few weeks is what does God's word say about these and how does it direct us to respond to them? So we'll look in a couple weeks at, at God's word. We're going to look at time. Every one of us have boundaries when it comes to time. We have boundaries and limitations when it comes to money. I don't care how much money you have, there is a definite amount And so somewhere in your bank account, there is a boundary. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at relationships and how sometimes God uses relationships in our lives to serve as boundaries. So I hope you'll join us each week as we explore this. Um, Not only will we do it on Sunday mornings, but on Wednesday nights in our midweek service at 6.30. If you've got questions from today's message, you can turn that in on your communication card or you can use the SSBC Jacks app to submit that question. On Wednesday nights, we'll try to look at those questions and try to go a little deeper in our midweek service on this. But I want to share with you a couple goals I have for this series uh, because I think it's important for us to know ultimately uh, what I pray and hope we will all together take from this this topic of conversation. First of all, I want us to understand how God can use boundaries and barricades to guide and direct you. That there are certain things in your life right now that you may look at as an obstacle, but I want to challenge you to think about it a different way. That maybe God is using what you think as an obstacle to redirect you into a path that he would have you to go. The second goal I have for us is that we'll understand that God's boundaries are evidence of his love and provision for us. That God isn't trying to keep us from things. God is not punishing us. God is instead trying to offer protection and provision. And he does it inside the boundaries he's marked out. And finally, I want you to identify the boundaries in your life And I want you to find the pleasant place God has for you within them. Ultimately, what I mean by that is I want you to find contentment. 
I think part of the secret to finding contentment in life is understanding God's boundaries and learning how to live inside those boundaries. For some of you, maybe that has to do with how you manage your time. For others, maybe it has to do with how you manage your money. For some, maybe it's relationships you have. For others, it could be circumstances entirely out of your control. Health situations, it could be situations with your work or with school. But I want us to try to learn what God is saying to us through his word and through the circumstances of our life as it pertains to boundaries. Now, the psalm that we read together just a minute ago, Psalm 16, is actually all about boundaries. This entire series is based on that one psalm, Psalm 16, and I think it gives us three benefits of boundaries. And we're going to look at this for the next several weeks, but today in terms of just an overview, if you'll look with me back at Psalm 16, I think the first thing it gives us is that the first benefit of a boundary is protection. Protection. Boundaries keep us close to God and in the shelter of his protection. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 16, 1 and 2. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. So the psalmist is saying, I want to live inside your boundaries because there's nothing good away from you. I want to find protection and shelter inside the boundaries you have marked for me. So the first thing we get from boundaries is protection. The second thing I think boundaries do in our life is they give us discernment. What I mean by that is we learn and understand who God is, his purpose, and his ways within the boundaries that he sets. If you want to know God, if you want to understand how God operates, if you want to be a part of what God is doing and cooperate with God, you have to live within the boundaries God has set. That's where you come to know him. That's where you gain the discernment to know what it means to follow the Lord. Listen to what the psalmist said, verse 3 and 4. As for the saints in the Lord, they are the excellent ones. So the psalmist is looking around and he's noticing a difference. He's going to compare two groups of people. The the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. In other words, I look at these people who are achieving and they, they seem to have contentment and satisfaction in the Lord. And I recognize that I want to be like them. I see them. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offering of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips in other words here are these people I want to be like them there's something common about them and that is that they draw near to the Lord within his boundaries but these people over here these people their sorrows seem to constantly be multiplied they're the ones who sort of cross the boundaries God has set for them and I don't want to be like them if you go back and read Psalm 1 it's the same thing it says blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor sit in the seat of sinners nor stand in the presence of scoffers but their delight is in the law of the Lord and then it compares those who don't follow after the Lord And so what the psalmist is saying is, I want the discernment of knowing what it means to live near God and understand his purpose and his ways so that I can have the benefits of knowing him and being close to him. So protection, discernment. The third thing God's boundaries do is they give us contentment. That God is found within the portion that he has marked off. He is our inheritance. Listen to what it says in verse 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a beautiful inheritance. That God, your boundaries aren't trying to keep me from the good place. 
Your boundaries show me the good place. And so I, I, this, this series in particular, uh, I think, uh, has been something that's been churning in me for a, a long time. Um, I, several years ago, it was, it was really before I came to Southside more than 10 years ago now, uh, I just had one of those seasons of life where I just felt constantly hemmed in. Have you ever felt that way? Like just, it was nobody's fault. It just was circumstances, you know. There were limitations. It just seemed like, well, we didn't have the money to be able to do that. And we didn't have the time to be able to do that. And we had young kids and a, a new baby in the house. And so there were so many things that we couldn't do. And we had to say no to so many things. And, and it just felt like all around me, the walls were kind of closing in. Anybody ever been there? Some of you might say, yes, I'm there right now. It just feels like these circumstances of life just keep limiting my uh, ability to do what I want to do. Now, admittedly, totally selfish on my part, right? I mean, this is what I want to do, but I can't do it because of these relationships. I can't do it because of these commitments. I can't do it because of these limitations. And so I was really struggling with this. And in my own life, I was just thinking, God, I, I don't know. I, 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 how am I supposed to know? Because at some point in my life, you feel like, well, God, what if you want me to do that over there? But I can't do it. I can't do it because I'm married. I can't do it because I have four kids. I can't do it because... And then God added in my Bible, Psalm 16. (laughs) And I am minding my own business, reading my Bible. And I come across Psalm 16. And I read Psalm 16, verse 6. Your boundary markers for me have fallen in pleasant places. Surely I have. A delightful inheritance. And it was in that moment the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And said, Gary, all those boundary markers are marking out what I have for you within the confines of those limitations. Stop looking for my will outside of the boundary markers and begin to understand that you will find me within the boundary markers that I've given you. And it radically changed my perspective. It changed my perspective on almost every aspect of my life, from the way I relate to my wife, to the way I relate to my kids, to the way I think about money, to the way I think about time, to the way I think about my job. That one verse, Psalm 16.6, may have been the most influential verse in my life in the past 10 years. And it has been a verse that God has brought back to me time and again. Every time I find myself up against a barrier or a boundary, Psalm 16.6 just comes back to my mind time and again. And so my prayer is that as we get into Psalm 16.6, that maybe you will find the same sort of contentment and joy in God's plan for you in the here and now that he has provided me and revealed to me as I've tried to follow after him. So I was thinking, what would be a great story from the Bible to illustrate this idea of boundaries? And I can think of no better illustration than from the book of Exodus chapter 13. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open to Exodus 13. We're going to look at one story that illustrates this for us today, and then we're going to look at what we should do today, practically, what you should do today if you are feeling hemmed in by the boundaries God has set in your life. So, so Exodus chapter 13, this is the story of Moses and the Hebrews. This is after the plagues of Egypt. Pharaoh has finally said, okay, take your people and get out of here. And so Moses and the children of Israel are leaving Israel. They've been in bondage and slavery there for 430 years. God is delivering them out of their bondage in Egypt. And this is where we pick up the story. And the first thing we see is the boundaries that we're about to look at 
are offering protection. We're going to see this in the first passage, the protection that God is offering the children of Israel and the boundaries he's about to set for them. Exodus 13, beginning verse 18. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the sea. Now, if you were to look at a map, you would quickly learn that Moses needed GPS. He needed Waze or Google Maps or something. Because it, that, that dotted red line just goes all over the place. You think, he, this guy did not know who put him in charge. But it was no accident that Moses was taking the path he was taking. This was God's plan. This was the way God directed them to go. And he led them, the scripture tells us, by a cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night. Verse 22, neither the, cloud of, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So the most obvious route was not the route God wanted them to take, but he wanted them to go through the desert because this desert was where God was going to show up and he was going to offer protection and direction for the children of Israel. But if they had done what seemed most obvious, if God had said, you know what, I'm not going to, if Moses had said, you know what, God, I'm not going to follow the path you have set. This is a much more direct path. Moses would have led the children of Israel away from the will of God, a faster route, but they would have missed all the things that God had to teach them in the desert. This is one of the reasons the Proverbs writer says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Let me tell you something. God's path for you, God's path for you will likely not be the most direct path. He's got a journey mapped out for you that may lead you through places and valleys that you do not want to go through. But it is in that path that God will provide his protection and provision and his presence will be with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, nobody wants to walk there, but even though I walk there, you will be with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of who? Come on, my enemies. Nobody wants to go into the presence of your enemies, but what if that's where God's prepared a table for you? But see, our heart is to say, no, 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 no. I know better. I'm gonna go the way I wanna go because this route makes a whole lot more sense. When God is saying, follow me, trust me, trust the limitations I have, and I will, I will protect you as you follow after me. Chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi Hararoth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephron. Now, these are very specific directions. And if you, again, were to look on it on a map, you would find that this is the most militarily vulnerable position imaginable. It is basically a cul de sac, a dead end. The sea surrounds them on three sides as they come into this place where God is leading them. It made absolutely no sense. And so God gives them more direction. Verse 3, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. So Pharaoh and his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. They were following and doing exactly what, called them to do, what God called them to do, and the enemy was still going to chase them down. 
And not only was the enemy still going to chase them down, the enemy was doing it at the direction of God. Because God is about to use Moses' enemy to demonstrate a very important lesson for Moses. Pharaoh was ultimately just a pawn in God's hands. While the Israelites are in fear of him, he was actually being used to accomplish God's purpose for his people. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Now remember, they're surrounded on three sides by the Red Sea. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. Now it's interesting, um, this is the first time in the entire Bible where we see all of the people of God cry out to him together. This is the first time they have lifted their voices together, crying out to God. And God is about to use this impossible situation to get their attention. Isn't that how he does it in your life? Like he puts you in an impossible situation. You find your backs up against the Red Sea. You're surrounded and the enemy's coming right at you. And suddenly you don't even have to be a person of faith and you're going to say, oh God, help, right? Jesus, deliver me. You don't even believe in Jesus and you're praying to him. Some of you have done that. You've been in a situation of circumstance just hard enough where God's gotten your attention and your instinct is to cry out to God. Your instinct is to call on him. Now, granted, you'll call out to any God you think would answer you, but you're calling out to some power higher than yourself because you recognize you are hopeless and helpless. There's nothing you're going to be able to do to resolve the situation exactly where God wanted them to be. Chuck Swindoll says that humans have two responses to difficult circumstances. The first response that humans have to a difficult circumstance is that we cry out to God. And when that doesn't work, we resort to the second response, which is we find somebody to blame. So the children of Israel quickly place blame for this entire situation on who? Moses. Of course, they they blamed it all on Moses. So the second thing we see is these boundaries that God is setting for them are going to teach the children of Israel discernment. Look at this, verse 11 through 30, discernment. The Israelites said to Moses, Was it because there was no grave in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I think this passage of scripture really speaks to something about human nature. Because we can read this and we think, are they stupid? I mean, are they... They'd rather be slaves. They'd rather be under the tyranny of Pharaoh than have the freedom that God has for them. Who would do that? You would do that. And you do do that all the time. You would much rather live enslaved to a broken, sinful way of life than you would to experience the freedom that God has for you. You would much rather continue to live with the addiction than you would to find freedom from the addiction. Because freedom from the addiction will cost you something, and it will be painful, and it will be a challenge, and it will be humiliating. But God has something better for you. He he wants to set you free. But that freedom comes as we follow after him and we live according to his will for our lives. We live within the boundary markers he has set for us, and we begin to understand what it is he's teaching us. Would it have been better if we died in the desert? Now, think about this from Moses' perspective. 
Because we talked about the Hebrew children being hemmed in, but now think about how Moses is hemmed in. He's completely hemmed in. He's got the Egyptians coming at him. He's got the Red Sea on three sides of him. And now he's in the middle of an angry mob who are all turning on him and blaming him. So it's important to ask, well, what did Moses do in a situation like this? What did Moses do when he was hemmed in? Well, the answer is that he chose faith over fear, and he didn't waste time trying to blame other people. Listen to what he says. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Verse 14, Exodus 14, 14. Listen, this verse right here, highlight it, underline it, write it down, memorize it. Listen to what he said. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Let's just say that together. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Some of you didn't say it. I want all of you to say it with me. Ready? I'll call you by name. Here we go. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I love the way God says that to Moses. Like this is what you do every day. Why are you crying to me, Moses? Just part the Red Sea. This is what you do. Part the Red Sea and I will give you a path of deliverance. I will, I will lead you away from your enemies towards the, towards the promised land. Raise your staff and stretch it out. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And that's exactly what happened. The Israelites went through on dry ground. The Egyptians tried to follow them through the path. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea. The waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. Notice how they're hemmed in. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Now, you see here this discernment. You see the two groups. You see the people who were following God. And you see the people who were in opposition to God. The people who followed God went through the sea. And the sea was like a wall of protection on either side of them. The people who were enemies of God entered in the same way, and yet the sea crushed them. The sea came over them. And so what we see in this is that God's boundaries offer us discernment. We can learn the purposes and the ways of God if we're careful to live within the boundaries he's marked out. And then finally, we see the contentment that comes to Israel as they live within the boundaries. Verse 31 And when Israel saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. And then if you go on and read chapter 15, it's just a song of praise to God for how he delivered them. Because they found contentment in the boundary markers that God had marked out for them. They feared the Lord. They put their trust in the Lord. They put their confidence in Moses. Listen. God may have you in a tight spot in order to break an old habit and to show you a new way. Do you ever think about that? 
that maybe the circumstance that you're in right now, and maybe it's a circumstance of your own creating, creation, you, you know that you right now are living with the consequences and the limitations from choices that you made five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago. Maybe the circumstances have nothing to do with you. Maybe somebody else's choices have put boundaries and limitations in your life. Maybe you've got an enemy pursuing you and you find yourself, like the children of Israel, in a cul-de-sac and the sea is all around you. But here's what you should know. God is not unaware of your circumstances. And his arm is not too short to use your circumstances to break an old pattern of living and to lead you to a new life in the promised land he has marked out for you. Coming to the Red Sea is as important as crossing it, Charles Swindoll says. Think about that for a minute. The way you get to the Red Sea, the miracle of being led to that point of desperation is just as important as the miracle of crossing over it. So do not look at your circumstances right now and feel like God is not aware of where you are or how you got there. Don't don't spend time trying to look around for answers and escape routes when God may have for you within the confines of that place his promise of protection and provision for you. Not somewhere else, but right where you are. So let me give you some practical things. Hopefully these are things that will help you this week. What do you do when you feel hemmed in, when you feel surrounded, when you feel like the walls are closing in, what do you do when you feel hemmed in by the boundaries that God is setting in your life? Now, you, you might think, wait, wait, Gary, you, you don't understand. God didn't set these boundaries in my life. I set these boundaries in my life. You're giving yourself way too much credit. Because if you had had it your way, you wouldn't be up against a boundary right now, Right? That your plan did not involve a boundary. God put that boundary there, even if it's a consequence of your sin, God put that boundary there because he's got something for you. So what do you do when you feel hemmed in by the boundaries that God has set for you? Let me give you just four pieces of advice. First, choose faith over fear. It's always going to require faith from you when you're in that circumstance. And you have to choose faith over fear. Now listen to me. Courage is not the absence of fear but the recognition that God is bigger than the object of your fear. It doesn't mean that there isn't cause for you to be afraid, but God is inviting you to to have courage, to have faith, by recognizing that even though the circumstance may seem insurmountable, it is fear-worthy. You still believe in and are following a God who is bigger than the Red Sea and bigger than the Egyptian army, that he is bigger than the thing that you fear. And courage is not always displayed in the fight. Sometimes the most courageous thing we can do is to wait on God. Because here's what fear will sometimes cause you to do. Fear will drive you to fight the Egyptian army in your own power. Some of you are doing that right now. You're fighting the Egyptians. Let me tell you something. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're not going to beat them. So fear will drive you to say, I can fight the Egyptians. Or fear may drive you to say, you know what? I think I can swim across the Red Sea. And you jump in in your own power and you think you're going to swim across the Red Sea. And you think that's courage. It's not courage. It's foolishness. Because the most courageous thing that you may need to do is stand still and wait on the Lord. Trust in him. That he who promised to deliver you 
will follow through on his promises if you will have the courage to wait on him. Trust in God even when it seems impossible. Choose faith over fear. The second tip I would give you if you're feeling hemmed in is stop looking for someone to blame and recognize that God's arm is not too short. I think this is, I think this is something we do regularly. <laughs> we, we always want to have somebody to blame for the circumstances we're in. And maybe that's ourself. You know, I blame myself for this. If I only had, you know, not married him, or if I'd only not married her, if, if only we had not had kids, if only we had had kids, if only I had not taken that job, if I had taken the job, and we play all these what-if games over and over again in our minds, you know what? They don't help you. All you're doing is spending time finding somebody to blame. And if it's not yourself, then it's somebody else. Well, if she had, or if he hadn't always, or if they wouldn't have, or if, if my company hadn't closed down, or, or you know, if Donald Trump hadn't been elected president, or if Barack Obama hadn't been president, or I don't know, you're just always looking for somebody to blame. Somebody to blame. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you spend all of your time looking for somebody to blame, you will never see God's hand in your circumstances. Because you are spending all your time looking around at other people, maybe even looking in the mirror, when you need to be looking up to the God who has you exactly where he wants you and where he will deliver you from if you will put your faith and trust in him. Stop looking for someone to blame. If you want to be carried across the sea, stay focused on the God who brought you to the shoreline. He led you there. He will carry you across it but you have to wait on him. The third piece of advice is to stand firm and wait on the Lord. Throughout the Psalms and even in the prophets, this command is repeated multiple times. And anytime something is repeated in the Bible, it means it is really, really important and you should pay attention. And these words are repeated often. Be still and wait for God. Sometimes it says, be still and know that I am God. Whatever, whatever the wording of it is, the message is the same. Would you just be still? And can I add a phrase to that? Can I add to that? If it's okay, I don't want to run the risk. And if I'm wrong, I, I think it also means be still and shut up. I mean, I, so, some of you, your feet aren't moving, but your mouth hasn't stopped. Be still and wait on the Lord. I love, I love what Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. You know what that means? Anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every circumstance, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Wait, wait a minute. With thanksgiving? Thankful for the Egyptian army, thankful for Pharaoh, thankful for the Red Sea, thankful that I'm stuck in a cul-de-sac, thankful that I've got an angry, angry mob all around me about to stone me. Yeah. In every situation with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, that's where the contentment comes from. Do not be anxious in anything, but trust in the Lord. Stand firm and wait for the Lord. And finally... Number four, stop whining and move on. Stop whining and move on. Exodus 14, 15, I love, I love this verse. We, we read it just a minute ago. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. And so Moses put his staff over the water 
And the way the text reads, it looks as if Moses is walking into the water with his staff lifted up above the water, and God begins to part it. Not before he steps in, but as he steps in. Why are you crying out to me? Move on. God may just be about to part the sea for you. God may be just about to defeat the enemy that you think you cannot overcome. Your inheritance, the promises that God has for you, lie within the boundaries of the protection that he has set out for you, that he is inviting you into. But it is going to require on your part that you, that you put faith over fear, that you stop trying to blame other people, that you stand firm and you wait on the Lord, that you stop whining and you move forward as God is leading you into the unknown territory. You know, I, 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 love, I love baby dedications. I, I think it's, it's, it's the best part of my job. If, if I could only pick one thing that I have to do, you know, I hope maybe when I'm an old retired pastor around here, maybe the new young whippersnapper will still let me do baby dedications. But, but do you know a baby is a great example of a lot of boundaries in your life, right, Heather? <laughs> a baby represents a lot of boundaries. You know, there's a, there's a passage of Scripture we often read um, when we do baby dedications from Psalm 139. And when you read it, you just, it just speaks about how God formed us in our mother's womb and created us and knit us together. And it's beautiful imagery. It's, it's beautiful, beautiful but, but before you get to that part of the psalm, there's something else that the, that the psalmist says. There's something really important that I think speaks to this idea of what boundaries do in our life. And it changes our perspective when we come across those obstacles that seem immovable. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6. You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. You hem me in behind, before, you place your hand upon me. The image is taking a baby and swaddling it tight, hemming it in. So it feels the security of knowing that it is safe. That's what God wants to do for you. He's wanting to hem you in. He's not trying to restrict you. He's trying to free you. He's trying to draw you into a pleasant place he's marked out for you. He's not trying to keep you from something. But the secret is you're going to have to put your faith and confidence in him, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when, it doesn't do, even when it's not the way you would do it, you're going to have to trust him. Trust him with your circumstances. Trust him with your relationships. Trust him with the time you have, the money you have, with everything in your life and recognize somewhere in these boundary markers you have laid out for me, God, is a pleasant place because it is where you are. And you are hemming me in by your love. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads as we pray. The band's going to come up. And as we have our time of commitment, I just invite you, maybe today you would come and 
you would say you want to find the freedom that comes by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you have lived your whole life thinking that becoming a Christian would be something that would be restrictive. And instead today, maybe you recognize that following Jesus is the most liberating thing you could do. For others, maybe today you, you realize that you, you have been fighting the Egyptian army on your own. You've been trying to swim across the Red Sea on your own. But maybe today, in just a way of surrender, you would say, I'm going to be still and know that he is God. I'm going to be still and trust him. Trust that the boundary markers he has marked out for me are a pleasant place. However God is moving in your heart right now, I invite you to respond. Maybe it's by coming and praying with me, praying at these steps. Whatever it is for you, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would lead you to respond, that you might put your own marker down today, that today you're going to begin trusting in the Lord and the boundaries he has for you. Will you stand together as we pray? Father God, we come today and it's impossible for me to understand or know all the circumstances of the people who are in this room. But Lord, I I know enough to know that there is fear, there is hurt, there's disappointment, there's discouragement. Father, there is a longing and a desire that, Lord, many of us are convinced is somewhere else. But Lord, today I pray I pray that the words of the psalmist would penetrate our hearts and that we would know and understand that the boundary markers you have for us mark out for us the the pleasant places. Lord, that you are trying to protect us, that that like a, a mother wraps and swaddles her new baby, that you have your hand upon us behind and before and you're hemming us in. Lord, may we stop fighting. And may we wait on you. Our strong deliverer, the only one who can part the Red Sea, the only one who can defeat the undefeatable army. Lord, I pray today that we would win the victory not by fighting, but by surrendering to you. For those who are here today who are bound by addiction, for those who are here today who are bound by sin, Lord, I pray that they might find the freedom in Jesus Christ who holds the keys to sin, death, and the grave and who sets us free to follow him through all the challenges and valleys of life to that pleasant place, to that banquet table that is prepared before us. Lord, I pray, I pray that today would be a day of freedom and hope and life in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.